We're kicking off a new series uh, today, and we are, it might look familiar to you, and if you think we did this at the start of the year, uh, I remember uh, it is actually uh, the next part of that series. So this year we've been looking at discipleship, we've been exploring what it means to be disciples, uh, and, and we started the year by, uh, I mentioned some census data but I've actually got new census data because the 2021 census was released a couple of months ago. And you might have heard about it because one of the things that um, was covered in great detail was the declining percentage of people saying that they were Christians. Uh, that number has been on decline, in decline for a while. Um, but still, and I want you to, to hear this number, 43.9% of the Australian population identified themselves as Christians. Now, that's significantly lower than it was, but 43.9 responded with that. And I want you to think about that because that means that nearly every second person on your street, every second person in your workplace, every second person in that Woolies queue says, I am a Christian. Christianity is my religion. 43.9%. That's huge. Imagine if just imagine for a moment if 43.9% of the 27 or 8 million or whatever the Australians there are were living as disciples. Because some other data says this, by a big research mob called the McCrindle Group, they found that of that nearly 43.9%, that roughly 44% of people who said, I'm a Christian, that one in three say, I practice my religion. So of 44%, we're now down to one in three. I'm not going to do any maths for you. Um, but one in three or 44% say, I actually practice my religion. So lots of people are happy to sign up and say, I'm a Christian. They're happy to uh, say, yep, that's what I associate with or, or that's um, how I would see myself. But only a fraction of that number are actually willing to count the cost of a Christian life. They're willing to, as, as uh, Christ says, to take up their cross and follow him daily. And we see throughout the Gospels that Christ says this phrase, come and follow me over and over and over again. 27 times in the Gospels, come and follow me is used. Now, we think of come and follow me when Jesus is saying that as calling people to salvation. So here I am. I'm the Christ. I'm the, the Messiah that was promised to you. Now come and follow. Come and follow. Make the decision to become a Christian. But when we see him use this phrase consistently, it is to people who have already understood and acknowledged that he is Christ. So it is to people who have already had that revelation that he is the promised Messiah. And still to those people, he says, come and follow me. He says, come and follow me. And so there's 43.9% who have said, yes, I accept that he is the Christ. I would call myself a Christian. Jesus is saying to them through the scriptures, come and follow me. Really follow me. And that is the call of discipleship. That is what we've been talking about this year. If you've been in a connect group, um, it's been part of those conversations. And, and we've had sermon series that have, have played in with that. But it is about being intentional in growing our faith. 
You see, when Scripture talks about our faith growing, it isn't an optional extra. It isn't the thing that's happening to that one really holy person in the church. It is something that should be a part of each and every one of us. It should be a part of each and every one of us. And so we uh, had these path guides printed at the start of the year. And if you don't have one of these, I'd encourage you, they are on the table. Make sure you grab one. I've got a box of them. We're going to keep giving them to you. Because the path isn't a course. It's not a, um, a study guide. It is simply a facilitated step-by-step process to help you grow in your faith. It won't grow your faith for you but it will help you to know how to go about doing that. And if it looks familiar because you picked one up, you got one at the start of the year and you have got it in a cupboard or in a drawer or somewhere gathering dust at home, I just will give you a very quick summary of what it covered. We did a whole series on each one of these parts of the path. These are areas in your faith walk, in your faith journey that we should be seeking to grow in. Now, we are not saying you should be growing in all of those things all the time. What we're saying is choose one. Choose one and seek to grow in it. And maybe that growth is minuscule, but that is okay because minuscule growth is still growth. And so we looked at this this acronym PATH, and P stands for participating in God's story. And participating in God's story is broken up into two uh, areas, evangelism and service. And so the whole idea is that Scripture is God's story, but now there is another chapter of God's story, and that is the chapter that you and I are a part of. You and I are now participating in God's story as part of the church, and so we should be seeking to grow in evangelism, which is a desire to share the gospel with those who are lost, and a desire to support those who are sharing it in places where we can't. So I can't go to school this week this year. My boss won't let me. I can, I'm sure of it if I said to him, let me go to school this week. But Lily can. And so part of even our growth in evangelism is, is feeling that, that pulling to support people to share the gospel in places where we can't. And service. Now, service is not sign up for a roster at church. That comes later in the path. The service is about actually having a heart to serve those who are marginalized, those who are oppressed, and to see biblical justice outworked in our society. And we as Christians should be a part of that. We should have a heart for service. The A stands for being aware of God's presence. And it is this part is not about having a relationship with God. It's about how does our relationship with God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life influence our life? How does it shape and change our day to day? And there's two parts there. One is Scripture. And so that is our understanding of Scripture and how Scripture informs our life. And the other part of that one is theology, which is the deep pursuit of really understanding God, really understanding what Scripture teaches us about who He is and our relationship with Him. T is transformed by God's Word. Oh, sorry, I missed prayer and formation, didn't I? You're all so well behaved. See, if this was at school, people would be saying, oh, you missed it. You can do that, okay? So we, we had prayer and formation, prayer, communication with God, and formation, uh, the understanding and being shaped by the Spirit's leading and prompting. I've already given you Scripture and theology, so we're jumping ahead to the H, which is helping God's family. And that is this understanding that God doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something. 
So he saves us from sin and death, and he saves us for this new relationship with him and with his family. And so part, an active part of the Christian life is fellowship. So that's about being intentional about gathering and connecting with believers. You're all doing great on that this morning. Well done. The, the, the other part is the church or church, and that is serving, investing our talents and our time and our treasure in building up the body of Christ. We often think about ministry as what the pastors do for us, but actually scripturally, ministry is what the pastors equip you to do. So our job, James, myself, pastors Greg and Margot, our job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to be an active part of the body of Christ um, and to serve in that way. So I think if I surveyed you this morning and I asked you, as you're coming in the door, do you want in 12 months' time to have grown in your faith? Do you want your faith journey to be different, to be better, to be deeper? Do you want to have a closer relationship with Christ? Do you want to be more aware of the Holy Spirit's leading day to day? I think all of you would have said yes. I'm I'm pretty confident that you would have said yes. That's the right answer. Uh, You would have been able to give it. You would have said yes. But I think there's a couple of things that get in our way when it comes to growing in our faith. Because I think many of us have been in church for a while. We know that we want to grow in faith. We, we know we want to be uh, deeper in our relationship with Christ. But I think there's a couple of things that uh, hurdles or roadblocks that make that difficult. You see, I, um, I'm not much of a handyman. I've done a little bit of handyman type stuff. But I love those handyman shows. I remember years and years ago, there was a, ch- a show called Changing Rooms. This is really going back in, in time. Um, and there's lots of uh, like variations on it now. But ideally, what they would do is they would go in, they'd have a team of people, they would change a room. So they would paint the walls off in purple. That was in, in vogue in the 90s. Uh, they would go in, they would change furniture. But by the, at the end of this program, the, the room would look totally different. You've probably seen houses where they've done the same thing. They go in, they've got this team of tradies. Within about three days, the whole house is just amazing. Um, And any of you who have built or renovated or extended your house, you know that builders never work that fast. But they have these shows where that happens. And, And I don't know about you, but I get so inspired. I see that happening and I think, oh, look, that looks amazing. Surely I can do that. That can't be that hard. And then what I start to do is is there's two things that happen. The first one is I start to, while I'm watching the show, I start to research how much this would cost. And very quickly, I just, I'm horrified and I give up on the idea of renovating. I just think that's, that's crazy. I have to do all the work and it still costs that much. The other issue that gets in the way is I'm great at picturing the end product. I'm great at getting this vision of what I want it to look like. But the issue that I have is I don't know the steps of how to get there. I don't even know where I would start. And I start watching one YouTube video, and that YouTube video references a whole lot of other skills that I don't know. So I go and watch those YouTube videos, and very quickly I just go, it's too hard. It is too difficult. I wouldn't know where to start. And I think our spiritual lives are like that as well. I think for some of us the issue is the cost that we don't want to count the cost. The sacrifice is too great. The changes, the tweaks, the realignment in our life that we would have to make to really grow in our faith is too costly. We enjoy the other stuff. We enjoy the worldly stuff too much to think, 
you know what? There are some shifts. There are some changes. There are some new habits. There are some different things that I need to be forming. And you see, it does cost. You know, you see these um, marathon runners, and sometimes when I'm driving along, I see people out running, and they look tremendously fit, and I think, oh, gee, I'd like to be able to run like that. But no marathon runner is sitting on the couch, not having run for months, and thinks, you know, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. What we don't see is the sacrifice, it's the dedication, it's the, the focus. And when we see people in church growing in their faith, and we think, wow, you know, God's doing incredible things in their life. I wish I could have that. Often what we don't see when they're sharing those testimonies is the time spent in prayer, is the, the time, the, the things they've realigned in their life, the, the, the changing of priorities. But I think, too, we also then get stuck because we don't know where to start. We think, I want to grow in my faith, but, you know, do I just read my Bible more? Do I just pray more? How does that work? What am I supposed to do? And that is where the path helps us because the path actually has these steps that we can take um, and that's what we're going to spend this series looking at. We're going to spend some time looking at these steps and we're going to cover a couple a week Um, and today, if you're worried about the time, we're only covering one and it is the most simple sermon I think I will preach this entire year. We're going to look at this topic of discern, which is the first step of the path. It is all about if I'm going to grow in my faith, then what is the area that God wants me to be growing in? If you try and focus on all of those things that are part of the path, you'll find it overwhelming. You'll think, I've got to grow in evangelism. I've got to grow in formation. I've got to grow in in my knowledge of Scripture. I've got to grow in service. I've got to grow. And you'll wear yourself out. So what the idea is that we discern what is the first step? What's that little step now that God is saying to me that I need to grow in? And discern says this. If you have your booklets, you can grab one on the way out. In the booklets, discern says this. Our spiritual growth must be grounded in the Spirit's prompting and guidance. So as you begin, so as you decide, you know what, I'm going to grow in my faith. Every believer should take time to discern what the Lord desires to be his or her next area of maturity and growth. This step includes intentionally seeking the Lord in prayer, reflecting on your spiritual walk, and allowing those close to you to act as a mirror. Now, I'm going to give you the one-point sermon today, and it is the simplest one-point sermon in the world. If you want to discern, so how do I ask the Holy Spirit, or how do I know How do I discern what my next step of growth is? Ask the Holy Spirit and listen to what He says. We could probably finish there. Ask the Holy Spirit and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I want to have a quick look at John chapter 16. And Jesus is speaking to His disciples um, here in this crucial moment in John. um, And He says this, But now I am going away, this is in verse 5, now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. 
Judgment will come because the ruler of the world has already been judged. There is so much more, verse 12, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't hear it now. Listen here. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you what he receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This is a fairly well-known passage. I'm sure most of you have heard this before. Perhaps you've heard it preached. Perhaps you've read it. You've come across it. This is Christ's promise of the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And I think we can hear this and we can know it. And we can know it's true in our own lives as well. But I think we can miss how radical this concept was for the disciples. You see, Jesus had started saying to them back in John 13 that he was going to be going. He wasn't sticking around for long. He wouldn't be there forever. And here he goes one step further. He doesn't just say to this band of disciples, I'm going. He says, it is best that I go. And I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to picture these disciples who have given up loads to follow Christ. Everything they've given up was completely worth it. But they have made sacrifices to follow him. They've left jobs. They've left family. They've left uh, the safety net that they'd probably worked to build. And they've followed Christ and they've been criticized and they've been judged and they've been ostracized by, by the Jewish leaders. And here, not long into that, that ministry of Christ, Christ is saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and it's best that I go. And it's hard for us to understand the reality of that for the disciples because this is the one who has the word of life, who speaks and people are healed, who, who has, uh, casts out demons, who, who, who um, everywhere he goes, people are gathered to him because he speaks truth, this, this radical truth. And it's unsurprising that the disciples are grieving this idea that Jesus is going to go. You know, if it was me and I was there with Jesus, I think I'd be grieving too. I'd be saying, I can't see how this would be better. I can't see how not having the physical Jesus, the living, breathing um, Christ in flesh with us can be, I can't see how anything could be better than that. And yet he says, if I go, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will come. But see, even that is a radical concept because these Jewish disciples, they knew the Old Testament. They knew that the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit was reserved only for the kings and the prophets. And very rarely God's Spirit would come on an ordinary person. Very rarely that God wanted to do something exceptional. But this idea that the Holy Spirit would come for every believer was just radical. It was wild. It was so far outside of their understanding. It would have totally blown their minds. And I wonder sometimes, this is a little aside, but I wonder sometimes if we need to get back some of that awe and that wonder, that awe and wonder that, that God gives us when we step into relationship with Him, the, His Holy Spirit to dwell within us. That, that His Holy Spirit can fill us to empower us 
to, to live out this Christian life. It gives us these incredible gifts so that we can um, live life as fully as he's called us to. And Jesus says when the advocate comes, he will guide you into all truth. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit will reveal, will lead to transformation in your life by revealing to you the truth of God's word. That it, the Holy Spirit will prompt and bring to mind His, His Word and His leading and His guiding. That it, the Holy Spirit will illuminate Scripture, this divine truth in Scripture in our lives. And so that we can step into that when we receive Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. And we can participate in that transformative process through those spiritual disciplines like prayer and worship and, and evangelism and all the other parts of functioning as part of the body of Christ. And so then that advocate that is promised that Christ guarantees comes and helps us to discern where should I grow next in my faith? Where should I grow next in my faith? And it's a really simple process. Like I said, first we ask the Holy Spirit and then we listen I'm going to ask Jazz to come, but one of the things I'll say to you is, if, if that's a new kind of concept to you, don't, you might not, I mean, maybe God will speak to you in an audible voice, but if you're like me, it, it will not be an audible voice, but it'll be a prompting, it'll be a nudging, it'll be a, a clarity of, of mind, a focusing of my mind onto a particular thing that, that uh, the Holy Spirit is, is prompting. And so we're going to do that this morning. I'm almost finished. I've got a few minutes after this, but we're going to just take a moment. We're going to, as a, as a church, pause and spend a few moments. And I want you to do that. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. It's really simple. We just say, Holy Spirit, God, would you guide me? Help me to discern the next step of my spiritual growth. Bring something to mind. And so church, just pray that yourself. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me to discern the next step of growth in my life. And then just pause. Just see what the Holy Spirit says. Just be open to that, that nudging, that directing, that prompting. something came to mind, perhaps the Holy Spirit revealed something to you there, maybe, maybe you'll set aside some time this week to do that same thing again, to just sit and be still and be quiet without distractions, and just the Holy Spirit, would you help me to discern? One of the things that it's, you know, is, is difficult, I think, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for, it's, how do I know? How do I know that that thing that's come to mind or where my head's gone or, or whatever, what I feel the Holy Spirit is nudging me in, where I feel that pull or that burden for something, how do I know that that's the Holy Spirit? And so as we wrap up this morning, I thought I'd give you just three really quick tips. The first one is, ask yourself, does it line up with God's Word? Does it line up with God's Word? 
I had a, a, a friend who um, said to me, oh, God never speaks to me. God never, I just, God just does not speak to me. And I said, I said to them, when was the last time you opened your Bible? And they went, oh, well, you know, it's so confusing. And I, oh, it's been a while. You see, God will speak to you absolutely through the prompting and the nudging of the Holy Spirit. But one of the amazing things that the Holy Spirit does is reveal God's Word to us. And any time where you feel like the Holy Spirit is, is prompting or nudging, it will never conflict with God's Word. The Holy Spirit will never say something to you which is against what God's Word says. And I think it's really important um, uh, to, to understand that because as a pastor, people say all kinds of crazy stuff to me. People come and say, oh, God said this to me. And I think, well, that's actually the opposite of what God's Word says. The second thing is, is it directing me towards discipleship? So is the prompting of the Holy Spirit directing me towards discipleship? Had an, had another friend, this was actually in college, and this friend said to me, oh, look, I've been really praying, and I really feel God is saying to me that I shouldn't be part of a, a church anymore. I'm just going to spend time myself just with God. I'm just going to spend time on my own, just my Bible and God, and I don't need all the extras of church and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember thinking at the time, as a 17-year-old, thinking, that's crazy talk. That is, that is not at all what God's Word says. It's the opposite of what God's Word says. God's Word says you need fellowship, that when you come to Christ, you plant yourself in community. But the other thing that, it was, that I thought was crazy was that that kind of thing leads you away from discipleship. So if, if, if the Holy Spirit is prompting some growth in your life, it will never lead you away from discipleship. It will never drag you away from that path of pursuing Him. And the third thing, is what the Holy Spirit is saying to you confirmed by other faithful disciples? Not that person in your workplace who says, yeah, I'm a Christian. One of the 44% that's a Christian, but not active in their faith, not pursuing Christ. But those other people, and, and church is a great place for that, that you're, you're rubbing shoulders again, that you're getting to know. Ask one of them out for a coffee and say, I think the Holy Spirit's saying this, or I think this is the area I need to grow in my faith. And if, they're, if those people who you can see the fruit of their faith in their life are saying to you, yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. Let me pray for you and, and let me encourage you in that. Or if they're saying, uh, I don't think so. I think uh, maybe you're making that up or I think maybe that's something else that's speaking to you. That's not the Holy Spirit because that's not uh, really in, in alignment with, with what God would be revealing to you. Uh, that is a great process. So I'd encourage you to do that as well. The whole, whole idea of the path is that you'd, you'd pick it up and it would help you to step forward in, in your faith. Hope you're growing your faith. But I'd encourage you, do it with someone. Why don't you get together with someone and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, before the end of this year, in preparation for 2023, I'm going to pick up this guide and I'm going to really, really pursue growth in my faith. Do you want to meet with me for coffee every now and then? And, and we'll talk about it and we'll go through it and we'll encourage one another because I imagine that might just be the motivation that other person needs. They're probably grateful for you asking them because they might need that motivation in their own life. And so why don't you do that, church? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the fact that you, when you uh, sent your son, that he lived and he died and he rose again, 
but that he promised the better one was coming, that the Holy Spirit was coming, the advocate, the Prince of Peace was coming to dwell in the life of each believer. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we, we apologize for those times where we haven't listened to the nudging of the Spirit. Those times where you have been pulling and directing and, and, and compelling us and we have pushed your, your Holy Spirit to the side. Lord, and we've let our own life and our own flesh and our own sinful nature uh, take control. And so, Lord, we just pray that this week, as we think on this idea of discern, Lord God, that you would uh, use your Holy Spirit, you would guide us, that we would be in tune, that we would not let the noise of this world crowd in, but we would take some time and we would listen to you. And Holy Spirit, we just pray for that constant nudging, that pulling for, for those people who, who have received it today, but they also need it tomorrow. So they, they take a step. Holy Spirit, we're open to you. We ask that you would, would direct and clarify and nudge and lead. And we pray that you would empower us to take those steps forward. In Jesus' name we pray.